Recovery Radio, where we discuss substance abuse treatment and recovery. You can listen live at blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG Radio. Please note that the views and opinions of our hosts and guests are not necessarily the views of OCG, nor is it meant to replace professional advice or the advice of your physician. And now, here's our show, Roach on Recovery, with your host, Orville Roach. Welcome, welcome, folks, to Roach on Recovery. This is your host, Orville Roach, along with my producer, co-host, engineer, call screener, Chris Morales. Yes, sir. 646-564-9909 is the number. 646-564-9909 is the number if you want to call in to speak to us. If you just want to listen to the show, you can go to our show website, blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG radio. Again, that's blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG radio. If you just want to listen to the show via the call in line, by all means, make it happen. Make it happen. Um, I don't have any recap today. Nothing to recap? Nothing to recap. All right, I know what that means. Yep. <laughs> Question right out of the box. Do you prefer on championship weekend, back in the day when it used to be they would play like the AFC on Saturday, NFC on Sunday, or do you like it how they do it? Have they've done it for like the last few five years, both games on Sunday? I like them split. Okay. AFC Saturday, NFC or however they want to do it. Whatever game they think is the biggest, maybe on Sunday. I don't care who goes but first. But you remember when they used? To yeah, exa- yeah. Like before a... it was a doubleheader. Yeah. Yeah, I like them split. Give you, you know, for football fans, it extends your weekend a little bit. Gives mm-hmm. you something to look forward to each day, um, as opposed to the back to back. You know, and uh, well, they're done by different networks, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it's not like. If you're doing the doubleheader, one of the games is getting your second crew or whatever. Yeah. But, no, I'd take them split. What about you? I prefer the Saturday and the Sunday split. Yeah. Um, So, championship weekend is over and done, and we have our two Super Bowl uh, contenders. The Patriots go down in a blaze of of 
Tom Brady getting lit up. Yeah. Yeah, all uh, uh, the New York Giants of 2007. He was tap dancing like the late, great Gregory Hines. Oh, man. And getting blasted. And everybody just knew the Patriots were going to blow the Broncos out of that game. Oh, yeah. Everybody knew that going yep. in. Yep. So uh, I'm, by default, an NFC guy as a Niners fan, but i got to say I'm looking for Peyton to go I'm out on top. I'm not looking for the Peyton fairy tale. <laughs> I'm looking for the Peyton I, fairy tale. I see uh, if they cannot score more than 20 points and they struggled to get to 20, okay, uh-huh. But their defense, that defense hands is down, won the game for them. Yeah. I do not think that defense is going to hold Carolina to 20. I do not think they're going to get blown out. It's not going to be a Seattle-Denver type 43-8 to type deal yeah. like it was two years ago. Um, so my score is uh, the Panthers maybe by 10. Well, okay. All right. So Even like- if it's 20 to 10, you know what I'm saying, or 10-zip. Okay. All right. You know what I mean? But uh, I think it will be a good game. Um, I think their defense, if they're going to win it, it'll have to be the Broncos' defense that wins it, gets some turnovers. I agree. But here's the thing. This is all I was looking for with Cam and the Panthers. They won their divisional playoff game, made it to the NFC Championship first time for him. Mm -hmm. How is he going to come out in his first series? Was there going to be any signs of nervousness or what have you? Yeah. Now, remember, this is a guy who won at the high school level, won at the college oh, level. Oh, yeah. Okay. First pass was a rocket. Mm-hmm. I said, it's over. Yeah, he's ready. It's over. <clears throat> so, what was the final? 49-15? Might as, yeah, yeah, I think okay. that's exactly what it was. Okay. So, I'm just hoping for a good game. Not a blowout. I don't think it'll be a blowout either. Yeah. No, I think it'll be close. Both both of the defenses are good enough to keep it close. Yeah. I'm not feeling the two-week lag. I hate that. Um, and also, of course, since the game is being held out where we're living in yeah. Silicon Valley at Levi Stadium, or is it uh, Lee Stadium, or is it uh, Jordash Stadium? Will you guys name the stadium out here? Yeah, Jordash sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> or what's that other set of the clothing where the gangsters like to wear the gang Boo-boo. No, the bank gangbangers. Um, ben Davis or Dickies. Dickies or something that begins with a B. Bill is a Bill. Yeah. Oh, Ben Davis is the other okay. one. All right. Um, so traffic is going to be a nightmare. It's going to be a nightmare. Yeah. For, oh yeah, for, for it's going to be for us out here. They're already. My uh, wife works in the city. And or did work. I'm sorry, did work in the city, but her brother still works in the city, and uh, she's this, already made me aware that there's people understand. already closing. Ro- yeah, because it's not in the city. It's in- and I think they're being very slick in San Francisco because they're holding like their own Super Bowl, city yeah, and Super Bowl extravaganza. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wait a second. This is not happening in San Francisco. They're already closing streets down it's, and everything. This is happening in Santa Clara. California, yeah. Yeah. in Santa Clara County, just down the road from where we sit in our little bunker here. What the hell is San Francisco trying to bite off and hone oh, in and they, elbow their way in and, and all that they stuff? Have, they have said this from the beginning when it was voted into Santa Clara that um, Napa is having events 
because this is where some of the be- for people who mind you the Super Bowl and the concert is like a it's an event. People travel out of state to yeah, this. Yeah. So out here we have Napa, which is world renowned for wine and food and things. Mm-hmm. So they're all re- they're planning events for Super Bowl travelers out there. Mm-hmm. San Francisco is going to be putting on stuff. I even hear stuff. LA's doing stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm like, there's not a whole lot going on in Santa Clara other than the game itself. Well, they they had San their, Jose. They had their own thing, you know, their own Super Bowl city. Yeah, down there, and so so I was shocked when I was hearing on the radio that they were talking about Super Bowl City and all this stuff. And at the end, the guy was talking about in San Francisco. I was like, San Francisco? Mm-hmm. Believe it. They're not even playing in San Francisco. Believe it. The wife informed me that they're already closing streets down. They're already. It's already it's, getting it's crazy. It's a sham. It's a sham. Anyway, what's your uh, what's your your bold Super Bowl score pick? We're gonna say Denver. 27 to 19. So, okay. So you're so you're predicting Peyton's going to get a couple of wobblers in there for... Uh, Peyton's going to get a couple of wobblers in there. Okay. And then we might have a, a special teams or defensive uh, giving it to the offense uh, in an easy position or okay. scoring themselves. Now, just remember, Cam Newton is not Tom Brady. And when it comes to uh, being sackable, yeah, that's true. You know what I'm saying um, when they showed the hits Brady was taking in slow motion, yeah, he was going it, down pretty he got, easy. He got hit. Uh, they said out of 41 dropbacks, he got hit 23 times. And I'm Good not talking. I'm not talking about you know easy little shoves after the throw. No, he was getting. They were getting getting it rough. He, he was getting lit up. A la 2007 by my New York Giants mm-hmm. when he got lit up, 18 and one. Uh, but the difference between Brady and Newton is if Brady is under that kind of pressure, he knows when to go, go down. Newton might try and extend the play and get stripped or throw a pick or. He rarely gets stripped. His hands are huge. He doesn't have those like fumble. That's what I don't understand. Carson Palmer has big hands also. These guys seem like the ball is just like slipping out of there, slipping out of their hands. So, but I will say this on Tom Brady's behalf that uh, he got up, mm-hmm. got up after every hit, every sack, and uh, was a, a blown extra point away from sending that game in overtime. Yeah, yeah that's the truth. So that extra point, believe it or not. Anyway, well, I want the fairy tale ending for uh, for Peyton Manning. So we'll end with Broncos win the Super Bowl. Not going to happen. <laughs> All right. That's it on that subject. Uh, when we come back, it will be post-Super Bowl. No show next week. No show next week. You so, want to explain that to the audience? Yeah, we have some organizational business to take care of, so we there will it is. not be on the air next week live. But you are... are uh, find something in the archives. Find, yeah, there's many things in the archives. Listen to, in. To, to listen to. All right, this is uh, part three of three, our final installment of the Ten Commandments of Recovery, numbers three, two, and one. And before we review our uh, countdown so far, want to recap it from the top? Let's uh, let's just do our our disclaimer. 
Oh, we're, sure. <laughs> yeah, important. This. We're, we're in no way trying to uh, impugn the religious integrity of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> uh, we're just doing our own take for the recovery community. Um, so that's that. That's our disclaimer. There it is. So let's review what we've got so far. Let's do it. Let's start from the top, number 10. What do we got for the 10th commandment? Uh, thou shalt not covet the, the life, the material things, or the friends of others. Number 9. And we said this will be a very important one, even though it's up at the, you know, up near the top, but still. Um, thou shalt be honest with thyself. Number 8. Thou shalt not cheat thy recovery. It's a big one. Yep. It's a big one. Seven. What do we got for the seventh? Thou shalt not exchange one addiction for another. Okay. Number six. Thou shalt not kill thy messenger. <laughs> <laughs> Number five. Honor thy supporters and positive peers. <clears throat> Excuse me. Very good. The fourth. Very important one to me. Remember where thy came from. That's big. That leads us to where we're at today. We've got a controversial one on the list. I'm just going to throw that out there. I think there's a couple of controversial ones, but we'll we'll deal with it. We'll deal with it. Um, Number three of the Ten Commandments, counting down. So this is our countdown in order of what we deem important. And they're all important. All Mm -hmm. of the commandments are important. Um, Thou shalt not take negative reservations into the independent stage of the recovery process. So, many moons ago, when I was a uh, young resident in recovery, young resident in treatment, late, 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 late 80s, sitting in a group, hearing others talk about what they feel like doing today at this moment in time. And me and one of my peers speaking up in group saying, well, if you continue to harbor that, we didn't, hey, listen now, we're speaking as younger members. We didn't have any exclusive knowledge. It just to us made logical common sense, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we said, look, if you by, if, by the time you leave, if you're still harboring those desires, those thoughts, those feelings, etc., the likelihood is that you're going to live them out eventually. Yep. And after we got verbally pummeled, you know, for for one, speaking out of turn, two, you know, who the hell are you guys? You don't know what you just got here. Shut your mouth. Know your place. Yes. <laughs> you know, all of those things, right? But we held our ground and we said, no, if you have negative reservations, whatever they may be. And when we did our show, where the show topic was on negative reservations specifically, one of the things we talked about was that they're called negative reservations. They all don't have to do specifically with using drugs. Right. It could be people, places, things, you know, um, it could be a wide variety of things, but it's, it's unique to you. So we, no one can say 
that it's just negative reservations of just this or that. But it's anything that's going to lead you back down that wrong road that you are thinking to yourself that eh, I could maybe still visit that club. Mm-hmm. I can still hang out with so-and-so um, at his, uh, you know, while he's dealing his, his drugs, you know, th- you know, stuff that's right. not in your best interest, whatever it may be. And I didn't say it. It was said to me, I was told that, look, if you don't get rid of all your negative reservations, you are going to eventually live them out. And I've passed that on to other people and said, I have found that that has never not been wrong, never not been true, has never been proven incorrect. And I, when I say that to people, I say I always preface my comment with, I am sorry for what I'm about to say, but I'm not the one who who made this up. But all I can tell you is that I have found it to be true that if you still think about smoking weed or drinking beer, and that's a negative reservation, if you don't get rid of it before you leave here, you're going to live it out. Yeah. I'm not saying you're going to do it in 30 days. I'm not saying it might happen within a year. It may take two. It may take five. Eventually, if you don't get rid of it, you will live it out, whatever it is. And so the independent stage of recovery is what we're talking about is when you're out there. You know, you're no longer you've left. You've left treatment. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you're, you're out there doing your own thing. Um, you're living your life. So um, and, and, and that's when there's not going to be anyone to, you know, no one's giving you a booking you a haircut or anything of that nature. You're left to your own self-control and self-discipline. That's right. Regarding that. And so we, well, I, I don't think we spend, and you can give your opinion, I don't think we spend enough time talking about it, negative reservations, opening it up for discussion. Yeah, I guess the time that it is spoken about or when you hear clients kind of sifting through negative reservations, so to speak, Mm -hmm. tends to be during off what we would call like off structure time. Like Mm -hmm. you don't really find groups dedicated to it or committed Mm -hmm. to it, but you might talk about a client, you might hear a client talking about struggling in some area of the property when it's free time about, you know, do am I always going to feel like this? Why do I still want to hang out with these people? Why am I having such a hard time letting this go? This is what we get in the mail. most <clears throat> Right, exactly. The- and you'll hear peers just conversing about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you know, well, you want to make sure you don't leave holding on to that or thinking about that because mm-hmm. that could be detrimental. Um, used to used to be called, and I think I've still heard the term floating around, holding on to the corner of the bag. Yeah, that's, that's the old That's the old term. Old school term. But, yeah, I would say that we probably – it probably wouldn't be a bad idea to have a group dedicated to it because it is so important. I think a lot of it gets brought into a group that we have, which is relapse prevention, mm-hmm. because a big part of the relapse packet they work on in that has to do with triggers and reservations and mm-hmm. things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I mean it's definitely important. It's definitely something that needs to be discussed because everybody feels it or everybody has that that one thing, that one friend, that one area, that one situation that they don't want to 
give up on mm-hmm. or, or get rid of. Or they think they don't have to, and it's not going to have a, an impact on them, a negative right. impact. Right, yeah, I know how I can – I know what I have to do in that situation or at that place or with that person to not use but still be okay in the scenario or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and again – the hard the hard part is getting people to actually come forth with it because yeah, it sits on to it, it, sure. it sits in their mind and in their thought process and whether or not uh whether or not commandment number 9 is honored uh, being honest with thyself and coming forth with what are you really thinking about what's really going on inside you know um and and being trusting enough to discuss it and and understanding that look this is what people experience. People think that, hey, maybe I can still do this. And even when they were out there doing it, it was a bad experience. But they said, well, maybe I can just do a quarter of that or a little bit of that. You know Regulated somehow Reg- to make somehow, the outcome yeah, different. Exactly. Yeah. So only through their revealing it, talking about it, making it known, does can the negative reservation be flushed out, talked about, put out in the open, uh, and get and get feedback right. from your peers and others as to uh nah you you can't hang out at that club anymore. Look at all look at what you talked about, what went down there and the experiences you had and, and, and so on and so on and so on. So and and so I use the club as an example. We're not saying you can't go to the club. We didn't say that. We're talking about a specific place that you talked about that you said you had all these bad experiences. Right, at. right, right. Okay. Change it up. Get new experiences. Go to a different place. Mm-hmm. And then create create a new memory regarding that. Yeah. That's what we're saying. A new association. Exactly. exactly. Right. So, anything else on number three? Thou shall not take negative reservations into the independent stage of the recovery process. Because once you do, the likelihood of you living them out are very high. Got to agree with that. Okay. Okay, sure we want to do number two. (laughs) Here it comes. Buckle your seatbelts. Number two, thou shall not relapse. But I thought relapse was a part of recovery. It is not. <laughs> I am sorry. I am going to have to shoot down that that myth that that uh, there's a word I'm looking for. It'll come to me when it comes to me. I'll I'll, I'll say it even if it's ten minutes from now. Um, but I'm going to have to punch a hole in that theory. Um, People, some people do experience relapse during their recovery process, okay? But it is still number two on the commandment list that thou shall not relapse, okay? Now, that does not mean that if you do, that it's all over, the <laughs> end has come, I, you know, I can't go on. No, you're going to pick yourself up, you're going to dust yourself off, and you're going to continue, Okay. Right. But the the commandments set the standard that you strive for. You aspire for these standards. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, And not relapsing 
has to be a part of the standard. Because if we say that if we don't if that is not one of the commandments and it's number two on the list, so you can imagine what number one's gonna be. If that is not a part of the commandments, and what we're saying is that yeah, you're probably gonna relapse. And I think the the conventional wisdom now is that, you know, relapse is uh is inevitable and that's just probably gonna happen. The only thing we do we can't predict when. Um, but we can say it can, it's going to happen anywhere between when you leave and <laughs> yeah. and when it happens. And when it happens, I said, but no. And the reason I can say but no is because there are m- thousands of people, maybe millions, I don't know, that are you know started a recovery process and are still in a recovery process or living their lives, if you know, uh, if you will, and have not relapsed. That's okay? correct. And so that they have not only aspired for that commandment, but they are fulfilling it. Okay, But again, it doesn't mean that if you aspire for it and fall short, that you can't, we'll just sneak a little religious term in there, you can't repent. <laughs> right, right. Turn it around. Arrest the situation. Push forward. Address the situation. Arrest it and address it. Push forward. And uh, get back on uh, the wagon. We'll get back on track, so to speak, and uh, keep on going. You know, even in the religious commandments, people fall short. Yeah. Okay. Even with some of the most serious ones, they fall very short. And uh, society um, has engineered consequences. For that, that's right. Okay, and so obviously, they're, 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 and none of our commandments or recovery commandments are there, to my knowledge, societal consequences. Okay, they're personal consequences. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um. So, yeah. I'm okay with commanding, saying to a resident, a client, anyone in the recovery community, that, yeah, commandment number two is thou shall not relapse. Well, I thought relapse was a part of recovery. Almost like it's a a, a free... A mulligan. Yeah, a mulligan, a A gimmick. A a built-in mulligan. No, let's take that away. I don't I'm not sure what what um period of time in in the years I don't know if it was the late 90s or the early 2000s when this became like a part of the like conventional wisdom and and language and I think it emanated out of the uh 12 step genre okay and that's okay I'm not knocking it knocking them but I will knock that thought process okay we get those questions a lot in our recovery support uh, times. We're reading the X X uh, X Files. Yeah, X Files. Yeah, know, we it, do. You know, it, you know, is relapse a part of recovery? And we've always say no. It doesn't have to be. Who said that? Who's saying that? Right. And we'll openly uh, debate and challenge anyone who says it is. And by the way, uh, an answer. 
I'll tell you what's not an acceptable answer in a debate on that particular subject. An unacceptable answer is, well, look at how many people relapse. The reason that's an unacceptable answer is because we're not saying that people don't relapse. What we're saying is we are trying to hold people to a higher standard, and they should aspire to. Their goal should be to get into the recovery process and not relapse. Yeah, you don't want to put something in the mind of a client that says, when that moment comes and you're tempted, (laughs) if you haven't relapsed yet, (laughs) <laughs> Give it a shot. It's a part of your recovery. You've heard this the whole time. Yeah, you so can, you see how it, it works out. You could do it now. Or you can wait. <laughs> you know. Yeah, you could save, save the get out of jail free card for a later turn. Mm-hmm. No, that it's not. It's not set in stone. It's not a step. It's not step seven of the hundred steps that it takes to get your recovery. Uh, at some point, I'm going to have to relapse here mm-hmm. to see what that's all about. And no. and practice how to come out of that. Yeah, exactly. Uh. Uh-uh. No, we're not giving anyone a free pass. The other reason why thou shall not relapse is in there, number two, is that um, not only do we want to hold people to a, a higher standard, um, but it's the flip side. It's not relapse is a part of recovery. It's Recovery does not, it's not mandatory that recovery has to include a relapse. So we're we're pushing back on that mantra Mm -hmm. that has been developed and has seeped in to the community. And I I mean the, the large, the big, the big, big community. Yep. Um, And... Relapse is a decision, ultimately. It's not an accident. It's not an oops. My bad. I didn't mean to do that. Yes, you did. We can talk about the process of what led up to that. How did that decision come into being? Let's analyze. Let's go over so you can, in the future, see it coming and make that left turn instead of the right turn. But don't tell me that it was an accident. Don't tell me it was a mistake. Right. A mistake in the context of what we're talking about, a mistake is when you don't know and you're presented with a couple of options. And with lack of information, you you say, okay, I'm not sure here, so let me try this. And it doesn't turn out right, and okay, that's a, mis- that's a mistake. Mm-hmm. I didn't know, mm-hmm. so I, I made this choice. But when you know, you know, and you know if I do this, this is what's going to happen, I do this, is going to happen, you still choose to do that. It's not a mistake. That's a bad decision. That's, yeah, exactly. Okay? It's an error in judgment. You know better, but you still decided to do that. And so we have to hold you accountable for that decision and not let you think that, oh, it just, it just you know, magically you know, happened out of nowhere. Because if that's the case and we don't want to abide by uh, uh, 
commandment number nine, thou shalt be honest with thyself, then we're never going to insure, okay, and or take out the insurance policy of insuring that that will not happen again. Right. Or or you're just going to what, turn into a relapse machine? <laughs> like like a you know, ticking clock every six months, the same thing is going to happen over and over and over yeah, again? Yeah, right, exactly. No, we're not going to do that. Yes, people are going to relapse. Why? Because, well, the answer lies with commandment number one, which I'm not going to say yet. But uh, people will relapse. People have relapsed. People will continue to relapse. But that doesn't mean the standard should be you shouldn't. That should, you walk in the door. The goal should be I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it the first time, and I'm going to get it. Right. And I'm not going to be back here. I don't like being told what to do, when to do it, how, how, to, do it. how to do it. Uh, got to eat what y'all cook. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, everything you don't like, I always say make sure that you never have to come back to a place like this again. Mm-hmm. So, are we ready for number one? Huh. It's a loaded question. I'm going to say we just go with it, ready or not. Okay. Uh, So, commandment number one, thou shalt commit fully to thy recovery. Now, as I was telling uh, Mr. Producer before we went live, there was a a lot of going back and forth between number one and number two, which one should be first. And my perspective... And you can speak to yours, um, and I think you will agree. The very first thing that has to occur in order for success to have an opportunity is there needs to be a commitment. I agree with that. And that applies across the board with anything that you endeavor to do, anything that you engage in. Mm-hmm. Okay. From the most mundane thing, I gotta mop this floor. Well, I gotta make a commitment to mop the floor and do it properly. To this life or death thing, figuratively and literally, of recovery. So, I gotta make the commitment that I am serious about this and I'm going to do this. Not a promise, but a commitment. Right. And to me, that's the very first thing that must occur in order for then the chips to fall in line. We talked about it often that when a person, we talked about the light switch, the for lack of, no, we can't describe what it is, but that, that spiritual or... Uh, the epiphany. The, the epiphany that occurs, um, that's, that's like simultaneous to the commitment occurring. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And um, once that happens, once you fully commit to this, in my my new positive and constructive lifestyle, that the previous lifestyle, the drug using, the, the 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 all the negativity and all that stuff, that's no longer that that's my past. That's a period of my life. It's not going to define my life. Then everything else. Falls into falls into place. So to me, that the recovery process can't happen without 
commandment number one. So, yeah, I would have to uh, I would have to agree completely. Um, I think, like you said, in a lot of a lot of what you'll see here, and I think we've spoken about this on other shows, a lot of what you will see in a residential treatment setting in general, for those of you listening, if you've ever visited one or care to work in one one day or have ever been in one, there is a lot of crossover and translation from things that you hear within the program itself to real-world application. Mm-hmm. This is not something that we have created inside this bubble that works for this process with where you're at and has no sort of correlation with something in the real world. Mm-hmm. The, the crossover is supposed to be clear because this is not the real world we're living in when you're sheltered inside of a program. Mm-hmm. This is a, a surreal environment. A Michigan proving grounds, yeah. if you will. Uh, but the real world is where we all have to live our lives, and so there needs to be crossover. And y- you spoke on it and touched on it rather eloquently that a commitment needs to be made if you are to succeed in attempting anything in life, um, whether you know it be a long-term goal, a short-term goal, something that any individual strives for from a position that they currently stand in today will require a commitment if you plan on seeing it through and getting where you want to go. That doesn't just have to do with your recovery. That doesn't just have to do with staying clean. Um, it has to do with anything that's worth you having in your personal life from now until the end of time. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to commit to doing whatever it is you set out to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's especially important in recovery because that happens to be something that is incredibly challenging for folks who... <clears throat> Excuse me, for folks who strive to get it, um, maybe more so than some other little goals that other people may have in their lives. Folks who struggle with addiction, folks who struggle in this kind of a field and wish to rid themselves of that and overcome that struggle, it is very, 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 very challenging. And uh, it's one thing to have a wish-wash, you know, kind of a wishy-washy commitment to something that might be relatively easy to accomplish. Mm-hmm. But if you're setting out to accomplish something that many, many, many people have set out to do before you and failed, your commitment better be rock hard. Mm-hmm. The strongest you can make a commitment to yourself and with others, or you will almost inevitably fall short and so I think to say thou shalt commit fully to thy recovery is really the foundation that the rest of the nine or this house is built on. Mm-hmm. If you can't make that commitment, then something about that decision to me tells me you don't really want it. And if you don't really want it, well, there's going to be a time that comes that will be difficult enough where if you don't really want it, it's not going to be worth pushing through that mm-hmm. difficult time. Um, and if that's the case, you know, start back, start back at the top, <laughs> start, start back with number ten and 
and work yourself all the way down again until you get to this point. Because well, I mean, you you know that today in today's world of of, of the substance abuse treatment industry, um, addiction is viewed as a chronic thing. I purposely didn't use the word disease because that's another whole other topic. But they view it as chronic. And for some people, it is chronic. And we sometimes use the example of someone who might have diabetes or high blood pressure or, you know, one of those chronic illnesses that people deal with on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they have to do certain things to manage it. Okay. Um, But I've known a few people, not a lot, a few people that haven't managed their diabetes. They got rid of it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You can manage it. Stay on your regimen and manage it. But their goal was to correct the issue Mm -hmm. and get their body back into the original state where it did not need the insulin anymore. Whether it was a diet, whether it was lifestyle or the combination thereof. Right. My goal was, their goal was to go from, my goodness, I need insulin to, I want to fix this. So... And then there's the, the the huge middle that people just manage it, you know, whatever if whether it's pills, insulin, or whatever the mm-hmm. case may be. And then the other end where people, uh, I got diabetes, but I don't take my insulin, I forgot, or right, you know, right. every other day I take it. And, you know, so they're the, you know, they just don't take care of themselves. Or they still eat whatever the hell they want to eat, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Um, so we know that, their addiction can be a chronic thing that people can struggle with, okay? But if I have the person in front of me or I'm sitting down at the lunch table with them and they are, through their actions, having a chronic uh, addiction cycle, meaning that they're back for the fourth time or the fifth time, okay? And we have those, okay? And... You know, some in society will look at it and say, see, there's nothing you could do with those addicts. Right. They're, they're always going to be, you know, they're always going to be addicts. They're going to keep on using. So you know, they might stay clean for two months, three months, four months, but then eventually they'll go back. I want to know from that individual person, not a group, the individual person, what is it that's keeping you from being successful in this process? Because I say you weren't born that way, even though we know some babies are born addicted, right? But they get weaned off. And they do very well, by the way, the studies have shown. Okay? So let's just say you weren't born, you weren't born that way. So what is it that's holding you back from, uh, from getting this? And just from my experience, I'm just going to talk about my own personal experience, from talking to people who have come back and, you know, left and come back and left and come back I always want to know I want to talk to them you know they they don't get number nine they don't get number nine and you know and in hindsight maybe number nine should be you know higher up on the list you know but 
when I sit and talk with them, the first thing that, that the vibe I get is that this person cannot be honest with themselves. They just cannot break through whatever it is and be honest and speak to who, what their truth is and who they really are and so on and so forth. Um, I gotta, and I've got to interrupt you to make a quick point yeah. before I forget. Mm-hmm. Speaking about commitment, too, in what you were saying reminded me of this. Another part of what makes it so challenging, other than the fact that just recovery is challenging by the nature of what it is, addiction, is the <clears throat> excuse me the duration of time with which this commitment needs to hold. You can commit to four years of college, which is a long commitment to make until you graduate, but after four years, that's it. You don't want to go back to school ever again. You don't have to go back to school. You go to work. You do whatever. Unless you're a professional student. Unless you're a professional student. Um, you know, short-term goals. Which, can... I'm, which I'm beginning to think my younger daughter is. But go ahead. <laughs> carry on. Um, you know, short-term goals. You know, something that may take, uh, I want to reach a 1000 bucks in my savings account so I can buy... Whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then you get there, and you've done it, and you buy whatever. Mm-hmm. That's good. Like, you move forward. Mm-hmm. This is something that once you've owned or admitted or you were, number nine, honest with thyself that you have this problem to begin with, mm-hmm. this is now a commitment that you have to make for your a lifestyle change mm-hmm. for your life. Like, I'm not going to go back to this because I'm going to choose to commit to living a different way. And it's not like after four years, it doesn't matter anymore or five years. And now I can do whatever I want. It's, this is a decision for me to choose a different way of living, mm-hmm. living and, and the term living is implicit that this is until you cease to live. And, um, that's daunting for some people. God, how do I know now some people who, come into recovery young 21 22 uh so you're telling me when i'm like 65 and retired and watching the game i can't have a beer like okay you don't want to think about it that far ahead you want to take it a day at a time or whatever but ultimately yeah you foresee this commitment being this is just you're gonna say right now today i'm gonna choose to live differently right and that just adds to the difficulty of the challenge so part of what we try and do is break it down a little bit mm-hmm. into bite-sized pieces, okay? And so can you commit to staying in treatment? And while you're here, can you commit to participating in the treatment process, whatever that may be? So whatever treatment that you're going through, whether it's outpatient, inpatient, whatever it is, 12-step, mm-hmm. can you commit to it and stay with and stick with it? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we we bite off the small pieces of the commitment, knowing what the larger uh, goal is, that there's going to be some point in time where, you know, depending on what kind of treatment you're in, receiving, that you're not going to be in the treatment process anymore. You're going to be left to your own devices. Yep. And your commitment is going to be tested. And if your commitment is right, if it's strong, if it's based on a solid foundation, and if it's not a lie, then you're going to succeed. 
But if you got, oh, wait a second. If you got uh, number three, thou shall not uh, leave treatment with uh, negative reservations. If you got commandment number three, not if you're not honoring that commandment, then uh, I can tell you what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can tell you that uh, you're not going to be able to honor number two. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So they 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 all they all are connected in one way, shape, or form. Okay. But let me tell a short story. Like you said before, I forget. Years ago, in the early 2000s, I sat down with a client who had this was his fourth time back. Okay. I said I had to have lunch with this gentleman because I need to know. I just need to know the answer. Mm-hmm. And the gentleman was openly gay. And. I thought to myself as I was we were eating lunch and conversating and, and asking him about, you know, what's 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 going on, you know, why do you keep why do you think that you keep relapsing and having to come back and so on and so forth and he was giving me a bunch of nonsense. I said to him, I said, Let me ask you a question. I said, You're gay, correct? He said, Yes. I said are you okay with being gay? I mean, have you accepted yourself for who you are Mm -hmm. truthfully, honestly, sincerely? Could not answer the question. Huh. I said, now I want you to consider if that is playing a part in holding you back. And by the way, not that others haven't accepted who you are, accepted you for who you are sincerely, 100%, etc. But you haven't accepted who you are. For what reason? We don't know yet. Right. Okay. But it's apparent that you haven't accepted yourself. But you walk around as if it's okay. When in fact, the truth is, is that even though no one else has a problem with your sexual orientation, deep inside you, you have a problem. Right. And you don't, talk, and you don't want to talk about it. It's a non-discussion item. So you just go through the treatment process all the time. You, you know what to do. You've been here before. You just keep going through, and you go back out, and the same thing happens over and over again. And it doesn't occur to you that, wait a second. What am I missing? What am I missing here? What am I not talking about? What what you know, what am I afraid of? Yep. So I racked my brain as we're talking because I'm trying to think, well what what's what's out there for this guy that's you know and that's the only thing I can put my finger on. So I threw it at him. I didn't know I threw it stick. Sure, yeah, he threw it out there. But I could tell by his body language, the look on his face, the way it just, the whole vibe of his being shifted that I'd hit him. And, you know, that I kind of hit him where he needed to be hit. Right. It was a lucky shot, you know what I mean? But I said, wait a second. And he just like, no, I, I, 
I could tell he himself had not had has not or did not at the time accept his own sexual orientation. And and he didn't say this, but I guaranteed that because he didn't accept himself, that he thought that others didn't, didn't accept, accept him. It. When in fact it's the the furthest thing from anyone's mind, God damn it, we care about whether or not you're making your bed. <laughs> right, 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 right. And participating in group and all all that stuff. And and, I'm, and I'm, when I say that, I'm talking about the family, his peers. Mm-hmm. No one's talking about his sexual orientation. No one cares. They care about you, the human being, but not him. So even though, so we had that quote unquote revelation. That doesn't guarantee that the person will take that ball and run with it and say, you know what, let me dig into this. Honestly, right. Um, there's no guarantee, it didn't, and it didn't occur with this individual. Um, so there's when you say when you when you mention that word about how challenging it is, immediately in my mind it triggers for me the reason why I always want to talk to the person that come that. As a repeat comeback, not one time, but you know, third, fourth, fifth time. I, I'm so interested in knowing what it is. It's one to see if they know what it is that they're missing, but have just decided that I can't. It's too hard for me to face or talk about or, or to to deal with. I can. That's fine, because then that tells me, okay, if you're aware of it and you intellectually know it then it just comes down to when you're ready to broach it deal with it take it on Mm -hmm. but if you're clueless okay then i think i mean we have an obligation to try and 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 get the shovels out and start digging because if you and that's only when we arrive at the conclusion that you know what i believe the person really doesn't know versus you know what he knows what he or she knows what it is. They just don't want to come forth with it. That the that part, I've, it's rarely been that they don't know. Mm-hmm. It's more often than not they do know, but it's either so painful I don't want to talk about it, or I'm a, I'm just so afraid of of talking about it, or I'm afraid of the feelings that it may bring up and all of that. And you know, I believe we have an obligation. I have an obligation that. And this is where I, this is old school now, so forgive the language, right? This is where I have to take the attitude: I don't give a rat's ass about your feelings, right? I don't give a rat's ass about your feelings. What I care about is you succeeding, okay? So I may hurt your feelings right now by how we're going to try and dig into dig into whatever it is we got to dig into. Yep. I'm not going to worry about not hurting your feelings. I'm going to tell you in advance that I may hurt your feelings, okay? But it's for a good reason. I'm not hurting you for a bad reason. It's for a good reason. And so, yeah, it is challenging for some people. But I want to know why. And it can't be, oh, just because, uh, you know, if they say, oh, I like getting high. Well, that's honest. For some people, that's the truth. Right. I like getting high. So they that means they haven't moved. They haven't shifted yet. They haven't. It, it, they just haven't moved to either. They haven't suffered enough, 
Mm-hmm. They haven't hit rock bottom. You know what I mean? Yep. They haven't had the 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 shift, the epiphany, the, the and all of that stuff that that needs to happen. None of that has occurred because you can suffer, you can hit rock bottom, still not get to the commitment and the epiphany and all that stuff yet. Right. But at least something has uh, what's something has um, kickstarted the process. Yeah. And whether or not you grab a hold of it and run it, you know, down the field is a different story, but something is kickstarted. But if you're still in the space of, dude, I like getting high. I'm okay with that because that's honest. And then we can, we can, from there we can say, okay, since that's where you are, let me just tell you what's going to happen. Okay. All of the 10 commandments of recovery, (laughs) Not, you're not going yeah, to. Yeah, uh, does not matter right now. <laughs> none of them are going to uh, uh, sink into you, mm-hmm. and that's okay. And so then, at that point, it becomes: so why are you here? Right. Why are you here? And I'm not going to accept. Oh, I don't want to go to jail because there's someone sitting in jail who who really wants help, but they because because you're sitting in that bed. They can't. Yeah, they can't get in. They can't get in. I agree. Uh, Yeah, I agree with that for sure. So commandment number one, man, is wide. It can go many directions. The whole thing. Yeah, it can go many directions. It encompasses, like you said, uh, ultimately the whole, the whole thing. The whole that that whole uh, being of recovery. Without 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 committing to it, it's a useless endeavor. Very much so. I feel exhausted. <laughs> well, we gotta. Um, there's no way around it now that the top ten are out. We each gotta pick a favorite. We gotta pick a favorite one. Doesn't have oh, to be number e- one. That's you know, that's easy for me. Do you want to go first? Yeah, I'm gonna pick number nine. If that okay. is what I believe it is, and being honest with mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. Got to be number nine for me. Number nine, thou shalt be honest with thyself. Okay. And, and just real yeah, brief. Yeah, briefly, um, I believe similar to that, <clears throat> excuse me, feeling of number one, it, it's kind of a beginning. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a beginning to everything else that's going to follow. Making the commitment of being honest to yourself is the start of the race. Um some people like the middle of the race, you know, mm. where mu- the majority of the race is run. Some mm-hmm. people like the finish line because, mm. you know, that's it. You're mm-hmm. there. But I think all of that is for naught if you don't start in the right area. And starting by making a commitment and being genuine mm-hmm. is is where it all is born for me. And okay. So it's got to be number nine for me. Okay. <clears throat> Mr. Producer chooses commandment number nine as his favorite, one of the Ten Commandments of Recovery. Um, my favorite is commandment number four. I knew it. <laughs> if I had to bet money, that's where I was going. Remember where I came from. Okay. That is my favorite. I believe it is um, for the person in recovery, regardless of length of time, whether you're 30 days in four months in, six years in, whatever the case may be, um, that in order to be a, a, a model for others and to always be open, 
whether you realize it or not, to possibly having an impact on someone else getting into the recovery process, you must always, if not outwardly, inwardly, remember where you came from so mm -hmm. that you're open to the possibility, even subconsciously, of knowing that you can help somebody else because you're humble about it. You can show humility about, regardless of where you may be currently in life, that you're humble enough to remember where you came from. Yeah. I like it. So that's why it's my favorite. All right. That Good. puts us, uh, so let's formally, now that we got all 10 in the bucket, let's just go down from the top. Formally? Top down? Top down to close it out. Okay. Our 10th uh, commandment is? Uh, thou shall not covet the life, the material things, or the friends of others. Ninth on the list? Mr. Producer's favorite, thou shall be honest with thyself. Numero ocho. Espanol. Thou shall not cheat thy recovery. Seven. Thou shall not exchange one addiction for another. The sixth commandment, if you would. Thou shall not kill the messenger. Very important one, by the way. <laughs> yes. Uh, moving into the top five, number five. Honor thy supporters and thy positive and the and your positive peers. And go ahead with your favorite, number four. Remember where thy came from. And then we had our show today closing out the top three, number three. Thou shall not leave treatment with negative reservations. Number two. Thou shall not relapse. And what it's all based on, our top commandment. Thou shall not commit. I mean, thou shall, thou shall, not thou shalt not. <laughs> For thou, the record, thou the record, shall. Thou shall commit to thy recovery. I think we, uh, I think we did a great job. I think I did a great job coming up with this list. You sure did. <laughs> and I uh, thank you for expounding upon it. You were the catalyst uh, <laughs> for the idea, certainly. But great, great, uh, great to have it out there in the ether. Uh, for those of you maybe who missed the the. 10 through, what did we do, 10 through 7, and then 6, 5, 4 next week might be no, a we good did, time. we did 10, 9, and 8. And then 7 through 4? 7 through 4, and then 3, 2, 1. Next week might be a good time for those who missed the top of that list to, to catch up on that. But top of the hour, top of the hour break. Yep. Uh, we do see we have a couple callers on hold, which is great. It is recovery support time up after the commercial break. So we look forward to hearing from you guys. Thank you for your patience. Hope you're enjoying the show to this point.
Coming up next is OCG Radio's Recovery Support Time, where our hosts provide support and guidance for your recovery-related questions and issues. Recovery Support Time, where it's our time to help you. show being back on the television. <laughs> when is it is it when is, is it February they come back or they're back already? Ooh, I want to say I think February. February yeah. is what they've been advertising, yeah. And I can't believe no that it's like the same people. Normally they would have like like different the new, new fresh pe- young hot yeah, cast. Yeah, new yeah. people, you know, like Hawaii 50, the new people, but no, same. they're going back with the old Older the, and Scully. the oldies, uh, the oldie but goodies. Okay. Uh, recovery support time now. Um, welcome back to Roadshow Recovery. Just finished our wrapping up our Ten Commandments of Recovery. Uh, we're gonna do a couple of X File questions before we hit the phones. Ricardo from San Mateo wants to know what does Xanax withdrawal feel like? Xanax. Well, we know Xanax is uh, a multi-use medication, meaning it's prescribed for many different things. Um, But as far as uh, if you're prescribed it and you abruptly just stop taking it, if you've been taking it regularly... The withdrawal symptoms can include anxiety, blurred vision, depression, which is ironic because they prescribe it for depression. So you stop taking it, depression can come back. And then a whole host of other things. Those are the major ones. You could, you know, if you abruptly stop it, 
anxiety, blurred vision, decreased concentration, depression, decreased mental clarity, etc. So, are those all side effects of getting older? Is that what you were talking about? No, they wanted to know about. Uh, um, this question was, what does Xanax withdrawal feel like? Okay. And, and I think it's he's. I'm going to just correct. He says withdrawal. It's not. There's. I mean, if you if you're taking ibuprofen every day for something for 30 days and then you stop, I mean, t- physiologically, there's probably some withdrawal. You just you have just have no idea. You don't know it because it's not that. Right. You know, it's kind of benign. Um, Xanax is an is antidepressant. Xanax or. Yeah. Or anti-anxiety. I want to say anti-anxiety, but I'll follow up on but one, that. One right of, now. One, but I know for a fact one of the if you if you are prescribed it and you're taking it regularly and you just stop abruptly, one of the side effects of stopping is anxiety. Okay. So, okay. And depression. So maybe if you're prescribed it for anxiety and depression, the anxiety and depression will come back. Yeah. Yes. So while you're researching, uh, Mark from Oakley. California, I guess. When you are in, let me wait a second. While you're looking, yes, Xanax anti-anxiety also used to treat panic disorder. It's a controlled substance. Panic disorder. Anxiety and anxiety and panic disorder. Anti-anxiety. Okay. Um, I'm sorry, not Mark. Kevin from uh, Hayward. How long does it take to work a 12-step program? That's like a trick question. Yeah, because you could uh, like a question we ask at a bar. Some people ace the test and turn it in halfway while the uh, students are still plugging away at question two. There you go, plugging away at uh, plugging away at step one. You know, which is okay. I still haven't admitted that I'm powerless over alcohol, so they're still working on that one. There's no time that there's. When you're when you're when you're doing twelve step, there there is absolutely zero time stand still. How's that? Yeah, time stand still for you. There's no time. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I mean, uh, as long as you need. There you go. There's no clock. Um, I agree with that. Let's see. One more. Alex from San Jose, is it worse to have more of a bad behavior sober rather than high? Repeat that question. Is it worse to have more of of a bad behavior when you're, I guess, when you're sober? Yeah. Rather than when you're not sober. Which one is worse? They're both bad. But I I, I think... Trick question to me. (laughs) Do you understand the question? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, if you're not under the influence and you still have bad behavior, I think that tells you that you have a glaring problem. It's one thing when you're under the influence and you act act up, act so, as if you're under so, the influence. Yeah, but when you're right. no, you're not. You you know, you act differently. You act normal. You act you know, sane or whatever. But if you act the same way, whether you're high or you're not high, there's a problem. Yes. All right, let's go to the phones. Who's been holding the longest? Let's go to. Sadiq from Oakland, welcome to the show. Hi, how's it going? Good, how are you? I'm good. Uh, my question is, I've been looking into the big book, and 
I want to know if there's any other NA or AA literature that you recommend, something that's maybe more contemporary or relevant to my specific generation or time. And, uh, I was born <laughs> in 95, so is there anything that you could recommend for this time period? What do you have against a book that was written in the 1940s? Nothing, but the times have changed, and the way we live so is different. We live more of a hedonistic, uh, in a more hedonistic manner. It's more socially acceptable. So I have an, an, an expression that you can then live by in terms of when you are reading the big, big book, since there's really, in, the big book is the from 12 Step. Mr. Producer? Say again? The big book he's referring to is from 12 Step. Yeah. Right. So here's an expression you can use as a guide when you're reading through the big book. You ready? Yep. If it doesn't apply, let it fly. <laughs> yes. All right. Fair enough. Because they haven't come out with a new, a new current model of it. The, the technology huh. age book. Yeah. It's almost like the King James version. It's not out yet. It's still, yes. you know. That's it. Fair enough. I hear you. All right. All right. Thank you for your help. You're welcome. Thank you. Have a nice day, gentlemen. All right. Bye-bye. I think they refuse to update the book as far as they're concerned, and rightly so. The values and principles in the book remain remain and don't change and, you know, what have you. Very true. Um. What do you think he meant by we live in a very hedonistic society? What, what, what did that mean? <laughs> what was he trying to say by that statement? Yeah, well, I don't want I don't uh, fancy myself a mind reader and don't want to delve too much into interpret uh, that word. Yeah, interpret what he might be using that word for and in which context. Uh, I will throw out that generally speaking. Um, he, like many other people, can take a look at information that is given and has worked in decades past and believe that that was not written for or had any um, kind of relevance to the challenges that we face today. Although, you know, I argue that position with much of what you learn throughout your life is passed down through generation and there's a reason that that knowledge still stands the way it is because... Some of these things are kind of, uh, what's the adjective I'm looking for? A, a certain kind of truth, like an empirical truth or like a like a, a, a total truth that just exists in mm -hmm. these things that transcends time. Um, I just think the word hedonistic, which has a certain connotation yes. to it, even though... All it means are, is someone, you know, you know, the, the th seeking pleasure, right? Mm -hmm. And there's nothing inherently wrong with doing things that are pleasurable, as long as they're not harmful to yourself, harmful to others, and so on and so forth. So when I like to watch planes in my backyard and try and guess what, you know, what what kind what of what engine what, is running, or, know, or what degrees the flaps are at, and you know, all right. that stuff, you know, that's very pleasurable. Right. Is that hedonistic? Probably, yeah, yeah. You know, it could fall under that. It could fall under that umbrella for sure. Oh goodness! All right, let's go to uh, Ricardo from San Mateo. Welcome to the show. Hello. Um, my Hi. question, my question was, um, why, 
why is um having relationships in recovery um not recommended? What do you, what do you mean when you say relationships in recovery? Like um relationships like like love relationships like between a male and a female? No, I know what you mean by when you say relationships, but when you say in recovery, what do you mean? Like while you're oh, while like, you're um, trying to get your life together like during that time frame or what what do you mean when you say that? Um cuz I well, I was told that it's not healthy in recovery like while you're in a program. So just specifically just in a program or in the while you're in the recovery process? Um specifically in the program. Well, that's easy an easy answer because when you walk through the front door of that program, your intent was to work on yourself, you know, learn about yourself so that you can reverse the addiction and change your life and get on a different track. You didn't go walk in saying, hey, hey. I'm here, I'm checking in to the, you know, the Sands Hotel in Jamaica, and I'm here to meet somebody, right? Yeah. So, just because you might be experienced, and just because you experience being around people that you might, be, you know, like or, or, or in a romantic way or feel attracted to in a romantic way, the good thing about that experience is that it helps you work on your self-control and self-discipline. Correct. So in order to make keep the focus on on you and not on something outside of you. That makes sense. That's great. It's a great builder of discipline and self-control. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. And I'll just tell you one more thing. Okay. You, you did not go into treatment to find a girlfriend or a spouse. Correct. All right. All right. Thank you, Orville. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I don't even know my first name. Uh, that's a great question. Maybe he found it online doing some... Uh, you can find anything on Google. You put in Roach and Recovery. I'm sure you can find dirt on me, too. <laughs> All right, let's go to Michael from San Rafael. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Listen, Good I had evening. a question. I have relapsed recently, and it's like I've uh, awoke a demon inside of me, and I'm really struggling. I was just wondering if uh, you had any tips, pointers, direction that you could possibly give me. All right, let me let me turn it back on you for a second. All right. Have you within yourself had a conversation within yourself and asked yourself why did this happen? Uh, I have. What did you come up with? I didn't like the way I was feeling. I don't like to feel. That's what it comes down to. And Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. There and Okay. I hear that statement. I don't like to feel. And as long as you're going to be alive and breathing, you're going to be feeling. Mm 
good, bad, ugly, depending on your life experience, depending on anything that may bring up bad, you know, bad memories or present day, whatever, right? You're going to feel. So since you can't, since feeling and living go hand in hand, and if you say, well, I don't like to feel, well, that means in order to live, I, that means I constantly have to find a way to not feel. And people do that by what? By trying to medicate, right? Right. And, you know, whatever they choose as their source is, you know, varies by person. Right. But eventually, eventually that medication wears off. Yes. And your face, and you're left back with whom? With whom? Myself. Yeah, who are you my left feelings. with? Exactly. You're left. You're left back with you and your feelings once again. Yes. So that tells you what? That tells you, I cannot. As hard as I try, mm-hmm. as fast as I run, I can't get away from them. True. Yes. So you're left, truthfully. With only one option, I guess that's and that feel. option is to face the feelings, experience them, mm-hmm. feel them, realize that wait a second, wait a minute now, I'm not going to die from them. I'm going to survive from them. It's okay. It may have been painful for the moment that I experienced it. It may have hurt for the moment that I experienced it, but I, I can survive it. Yes. You got to give yourself a chance. Okay. And experience it and stop running, 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 running. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for the advice. You're very welcome. All right. Have a good day. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye. So I had these sayings that I came up with, but no, well, I didn't come up with them, but one of them, one of them I came up with. Um, what was it? You follow you wherever you go. That one I came up with, but you can't run, but you you can run, but you can't hide. I didn't come up with that one. I think that's a. The lyrics in one of the Eagles song, I think, somewhere. Uh, I think maybe in Hotel California, somewhere in there. But um so you meant she Mr. Producer, you did it again. Another idea for no, another you, show. You you <laughs> you you did it again. You 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 did it again. You mentioned challenge. You mentioned the challenge. And the challenge for the addict is coming to the realization that they cannot run from their feelings. No, no, absolutely not. Forever. And But how much time do people spend running from their feelings? How many years do people spend running from their feelings? Years. Some people spend a lifetime. Spend a lifetime. I say to people, look, I said, ultimately... You have two choices, even though I told him you only had one choice. But you got two choices. You can, you either can, you can either die, right, and so it's over. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Or you're going to spend the rest of your life always trying to use and get high and medicate in order to not to feel. So, 
is that the type of life that we want? Is that, you know, that's, it's not even living. It's just existing and running. And you can't even successfully run. I don't know of any drug yet. Um, well, the high from methamphetamines, how long? Depends on how much you do, but uh, a lot of people, when they're enjoying a getting high from methamphetamines, you might be high for eight hours, okay, nine pretty, hours. It's pretty long. It's pretty long. Okay. So you can run for eight-hour clips on meth. You know, I mean, crack cocaine, you know, lasts, you know, for the, the high might last for five minutes, and then the crash is tremendous. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cocaine, you know, if you snort it or whatever, longer, you know I mean? Not much longer, but longer, you know, yeah. Weed, you know, can last for, you know, a little bit. Um, but ultimately, they all eventually wear down. And the point I'm making is that you have to continually refuel, refuel, yes. refuel with the drugs to stay medicated, to stay running. At a certain point, we have to give it up. Now, what causes that to happen? I mean, like like we were talking about, does is it um, do you hit rock bottom? Do you end up in jail? Is there some life altering event other than death that causes you to 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 take a pause and say, wait a second, what's going on here? Do I, you know, I need to do something. Right. Who knows? But we hope that that happens before it is too late. Because I, I I always say it's only too late when it's too, too late. late. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. So, <clears throat> uh, let's see. I'm just looking here on the X Files. Kevin, no hometown listed, asks why is individual therapy not helping me with my substance abuse? So right off the bat. He's blaming the fact that his, quote-unquote, individual therapy is, quote-unquote, not helping him with his substance abuse and then having the goal to ask the question why. When the answer lies in the question. So you're you're counseling me on my substance abuse, on my addiction, and it's not helping me, I want you to tell me why it's not helping me, is basically what he's saying. Right. How would you answer that as a counselor if, 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 a, if a client you were working with said that? <laughs> uh, boy, well, <clears throat> excuse me. It would depend on if I had my clinical hat on and this was some sort of... Uh, one-on-one session, or if this were, if I were being called out in evening wrap-up, so to speak, the mm-hmm. the angles that I might take would be um, different, mm-hmm. but the overall message would be the same. The message you'd give to anybody, even folks who didn't have that concern, is at the end of the day, no one is responsible for your recovery except for you. Mm-hmm. You're the only one. Um, you can't. You could have the best therapist in the world. You could have someone who's practicing therapy for their first day. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it does not matter. What matters is that you have owned, at the very least, that 
you have a problem that you need help overcoming because you can't overcome it yourself. Mm-hmm. And that and there's and, no shame in that. There's no shame in that. And that any position you find yourself in is a direct result of something you've done to get you there. Right. And help can come in multiple forms and multiple packages, can sound different, can feel different, can look different. But if you apply what you can apply from any help that you're receiving, then that's you taking ownership for your recovery. And you go ahead and you put that to use. If somehow you are not succeeding, you need to look into the mirror, figure out what it is that's going on that's maybe preventing this from happening. Like our last caller said, he believes it's having a difficulty just a difficult time just coping with feeling in general, Mm -hmm. whatever that is for you, and then you put it on the table for Mm -hmm. your counselor to work with. Hey, you know what? This is where I think the issue is for me. What can I do to get better at this? Uh, If you're going to play the finger-pointing game, it's like, I expect somebody to give me the answer to this equation so I can just go plug it in and move on with my life. Mm -hmm. It's not going to happen, my friend. And this is where it's very important for uh, peers to come in to, you know, so if this question was posed to the peer group that they should be spanked severely uh, right. for the reasons that you stated, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's me, it's not you, you know what I'm saying? Right. It's me. So by just the, the virtue of asking the question is me placing the blame on, on you guys why I'm not uh, learning anything or, or quote-unquote, getting any better or, or whatever the case may be. When you can be waiting a long time, if that's the case. Yeah, right. All right, let's go to Ashley from Redwood City. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Uh, my question is, how do you avoid drama in a treatment center? Or how do you, like, avoid conflict when there's so many people um, arguing back and forth or doing tit-for-tat in a treatment center? You don't avoid it. You embrace it. Embrace it. The the idea, and I'm going to let the host speak on this. I just thought that that was funny, the timing of that there. But um, I, I had another funny line that dra- I was going to say. Drama will be had... If you think about it, under any roof where there are several individuals who are struggling with something, the the drama is a byproduct of where you're at to begin with. So to try and avoid it or remove yourself from it, in essence, is really asking to take yourself out of the process. Now, that is not to say we need to feed into the unnecessary drama or the drama that exists for no apparent or good reason. But as far as the, you know, how we might define drama, just the struggle that exists and people not getting along and things happening, this is all a part of being a dynamic therapeutic community and you figuring out what your role is in that so that you can do what you came to that place to do which is to ultimately to get your recovery, to get help where you can, to learn from certain situations. And even if nothing more, to sit back and you can become a better person by saying, wow, when I see this person talking crap about this person or this is the way these two deal with problems, that's not who I want to be. 
I hope that's yeah. not how people perceive me. And you can just learn a little bit about yourself in watching those dynamics take place. Yeah. But in and of itself, the fact that you're in a TC, quote, you know, and drama being a very loose kind of subjective term, there will be drama. You just do yeah. what you can to learn from it and, and pick and choose your moments, you know? Yeah. Let me ask um, you, well, first, the, the comment I was, the, the, the line I was going to have was going to be, don't start, none won't be none. But yeah. um, how big is your uh, your blood family? Big. And in big family, in, in big families, there's there's bound to be drama at some point in time. True. Yeah. True. And this is a perfect opportunity for you to practice mm-hmm. and learn how am I going to positively, not negatively, positively navigate this. Am I going to be a change agent on the positive side? Or am I going to be on the negative side and fuel the drama? I think I am more on the change side because, like, um, instead of trying to be a part of the problem, I will try to, like, you know, dilute the problem. But my problem is, is like, there's a particular a particular client here that seems to be rather, like, phony. You know, like, says one thing, does another, or, like, you know, that's always, makes up That's lies. always going to be the case. That's always yeah. and, and as a matter of fact, so let's say, for example, that particular person mm-hmm. is a thorn in your side. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a very good thing because that means you have you're getting an opportunity to have a thorn in your side during your treatment process, and you have to figure out a way to deal with that thorn in, the, in your side. And yeah. Succeed at your process. Why is that important? Because when you leave that treatment environment and you go out into the world, okay, you're going to have thorns in your side. Yeah, and if you can true. deal with a thorn in your side in the treatment environment who you can't run from, you wake up to every day and all that stuff, you can't get away from them, mm-hmm. and there's nothing on the outside is going to top that. That's true. And so if you can deal with that and figure out how to navigate that and deal with that thorn, okay, out out there is going to be nothing. Uh So Mr. Producer started off by saying embrace it, and that's exactly what it means. You embrace the challenge of the thorn, of the drama, and work it, deal with it. Figure it out. Yeah. It's a part of the process. Yeah. Okay? Yeah, that makes sense. All right. That makes total sense. And then um, I think I another question. So what if All I right. was, like, what if I was, like, interested in somebody here in a program? So that wouldn't be a very good idea, right? So... Well, let me ask you a question first. Mm-hmm. Before you came into the treatment environment, mm-hmm. before you came in, mm-hmm. okay, you had in your mind an idea of the type of person that you were 
attracted to, right? Yeah. Okay. So when someone says to me, hey, you know, I'm in a treatment environment and, you know, it's someone I like, blah, 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 the mm-hmm. first question I ask them is this. Is that person the same type of person that if you were on the outside you would be interested in? Oh, that's good. <laughs> I didn't think of like that. <laughs> if the answer uh, is no, then all you're suffering from is cabin fever. <laughs> <laughs> And it's just an opportunity for you to work on your discipline and your self-control. Yeah. Because you didn't come in to the treatment environment to get a lover, to get a spouse. You know what I'm saying? You came in to change your life. And it's natural to, you know, see people and, you know, like them and all that stuff. But I always like to ask that question first because sometimes, you know, if you're in a residential program or if you're in a, you know, in a living environment with other people, mm-hmm. you know, somebody on day one doesn't look attractive, but on day 200, they look like, you know, runway models. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's what, yeah. I, that's what cabin fever is. <laughs> so. That's kind of funny. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I think you. I appreciate it. I kind of get it now. All right. All right. Thank you. You're very welcome. Bye-bye. Have a good evening. Bye. You too. Get that all the time. Nah, I'm I'm in a relationship. I'm not interested in anybody in here. Uh huh. Give them six months. Next thing you Starting know, starting a new relationship. Next thing you know, the uh, the one they said, ah, oh, I would never look at that person. Next thing you know, they're runway models, male and female, goes both ways. But it's life. How much time we got, sir? Got about eight minutes. Okay, seven minutes. All right, let's go to. Uh, Vincente from Modesto. Welcome to the show. Hi, how you doing? Good. Can you speak up a little louder yeah. or get closer to the phone? Yeah, I'll get closer to the oh. phone. Okay. All right, um, I was, my question was, um, how can I find a support group? Vincente, yeah. I want you to... I want you to... Hang up and call back, and let's see if we can get a better connection. Okay. All right, because we got a lot of clicking in the line, and I believe it's you got a bad line. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Call back. Okay. Did you did you hear the clicking? Because I heard it in my yeah, I heard the clicking. Um, and then the question too. Sounds I like could hear the question. I just me. didn't want yeah. to talk through the clicking noise. I'm sure he'll be back on any moment. I, I think his question was something to do with finding a support group or finding maybe another home meeting question, or maybe he just meant support group loosely, friends stuff. Okay. Here he goes. We can patch him through. See what's going on here. All right. How's the new line sounding, Vicente? You're on the air. Yeah, it, feels, it sounds good. Uh, feels great. It's a wonderful yeah. thing, a nice clear line. So, uh, I think we heard your question. You were asking about where you could find, did you say a support group? Yes, correct. And when you say support group, now are you talking about like like a home base for meetings or do you mean support group like just a, a group of friends or people who are doing the same thing you're doing? Yeah, people who are doing the same thing 
to stay sober. Can I ask how old you are? I'm 19. 19. Do you have any plan on um, going, you know, returning to school or going to school? Or are you just going to work and um, find a place to stay? Or what? what's kind of your future plan here? I'm going to get a job. And next, I'm going to go to school afterwards when, when, when I have enough money to go to school. Okay. Um, I'm not exactly sure how the host uh, might lead you here, but what I would say as far as a support group where you're going to find basically a group of peers who are hopefully doing the same thing you're doing, staying out of trouble, um, you know, not committing crimes, not getting high, uh, maybe headed toward the same, down the same path you're currently hoping to head down. A big place to do that, especially at 19, is if you go back to school or you start up your college career or even getting a job full-time somewhere, you would be amazed by the people that you meet and that are attracted to you. And I don't I don't mean sexually. I mean, like, just people that feed off of your energy. That yeah. all changes when you change what your focus and goals are. If you're out there getting high and that's your goal is to get higher, to sell drugs or to do things naturally, other people who are involved in that are going to gravitate toward you. If you made a decision that you don't want to live that way anymore and you're going to school because you'd like to find something that you can study that you're passionate about that will hopefully lead you to a great career or you're going to work full time to save up for school People who are on that same wavelength are going to be drawn to you because of that. And this is where a lot of people your age will then meet that that network or that peer group of friends and acquaintances and so on and so forth of people that you want to be surrounding yourself with, people that you want to be spending time with, um, folks who are going to encourage you in your future endeavors in regards to getting a degree or getting a job or saving money. Um, and these environments will provide large networks for you with which to do that, either coworkers and colleagues or fellow students and, and folks up on campus who are trying to better themselves, right. put, their, put themselves in a better position. Mm-hmm. That's my take on it. All right. So I'll right. try that and something okay. else. I got one more question. Like, Go ahead. I've been I've been using off and on cocaine, but like I, right now I feel like using. But I just decided to call this. I heard it from one of my friends from Rebel City about your show, and I, I decided to call. Well, that's excellent stuff. I mean, uh, this as well as you know many other resources out there are perfect. You know, you find what's available for you in your area. And when you're yeah. triggered to do something that you don't really want to do, which it sounds like, although you might have been triggered to get high, it's something that you didn't necessarily want to do or you wanted to see if you could sort that out some other way, you could yeah. always feel free to call us if we're available. You, Maybe whoever your friend was that you heard about this through uh, might have been available just to chat or maybe they know of a meeting you guys can go to if meetings are your things and That's another thing that kind of goes back to your original question about your peer group is once you establish a larger type of network or a larger type of peer group, 
that will increase the amount of availability of resources that are there for you when you feel things like this. Friends that you can talk to, groups that you can go to, things that will keep your mind focused on, you know, things that are important to you. Um, it will all kind of build and grow and expound upon itself uh, the more you put yourself out there. Yeah. So I'm going to do that. I'll call them right okay. now after I'm done talking to you guys. Sounds good. Yeah. So yeah, I'll do that, and I'll, I'll call you guys back next week and, and tell you how it went. Not next week, the week after. We're not live next week, but certainly call us back uh, the week after, which will be... First week of February, no? Or will next week be the first show in February? It will be. So the second week in February. Second week in February. Second Tuesday. Right. Okay. Which is the... Well, I'm trying to look at the calendar. Okay. The ninth. The ninth. Yeah. Okay. Definitely update I'll us. Okay, I'll make sure I'll call. All right. Thank you, Vincente. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a good day. You Bye-bye. too. Wrap it up, man. Yeah, he wants, uh, he's looking for, you know, he's looking, he's searching, he's, you know, he's struggling, but um, that's okay. he's not giving up. That's good. That's the good and, struggle. Yeah, I mean, you can't knock him, even if he's, uh, you know, even remember we talked about even if you violate uh, commandment number two. Yeah, that's right. Thou shalt not relapse. You can repent. You Don't can, come after us yeah. out there. Don't come after us. <laughs> you, you can repent and uh, get back on track, or or, or, or get some um, some help. Do I have time for a next file question? No, absolutely not. You you're like at minus ten seconds right Seriously? now. Yeah. Oh. Okay. All right. I'll save it. (laughs) That's it. All right, great. Great. Well, we want to thank everybody who called in to listen today or called in to support in the Recovery Support Time. Um, Also, thank those of you who joined us for the three-part series of the Ten Commandments. I think it was a lot of fun. It took a lot out of us, but having the Ten Commandments now and knowing that, in a sense, we are the gods who created these is... uh, We'll be making the tablets. (laughs) ...is kind of fun. And um, unfortunately, uh, we don't have a show next week, but we do encourage folks, maybe if they missed some of the parts of the show, to go on and check it out or just find a topic in the archives that sounds like you might be interested in and listen to the show and call us in and give us feedback about how terrible it was and where we can improve. Uh, Other than that, we'd like to thank everybody for the continued support. We do look forward to going live two weeks from now. And until then, we wish everybody a safe couple of weeks and a safe couple of weekends. We will talk to you all soon.